Okay, good morning, Sam. Thank you for joining me for this call to commemorate the contributions of Ananda Chakrabarti in the areas specific to India. There's been a lot that has been written and spoken about his role in Diamond V. Chakrabarti, and we will talk about that. But he did so much, as you have also done, dedicating himself to the betterment of India, uh, IP patent reform law, technology transfer, innovative cancer research, specifically for India. And I, I really think it's nice that you're joining me for the World IP Forum to talk about, because it's an Indian conference, to talk about his role in India. Thank so, you. Uh, do you want to make a brief introduction and then I'll start the slides? Thank you for the opportunity. Dr. Ananda Chakrabarti was a close friend, neighbor in Chicago. I had an opportunity to know him for almost four decades. And I was very fond of him. I was his admirer. I looked up to him. He was one of the pioneers, not only in biotech, but also in intellectual property, in sort of, you know, the Indian community here. And I am delighted that we have an opportunity to celebrate his life. I think celebration is the right word. Absolutely. So I have uh, prepared uh, some slides that I'm just pulling up. What is going on? Um, let everyone know they're being recorded. I have to click on that and then I should be able to, uh, let's see. It was working perfectly before. Here we are, start sharing. Thank you. All right. So now, are you seeing uh, yes. the slides remembering Ananda Chakrabarti? Yes. So now yes. Um, the slides are uh, full screen. There is a slight delay, just so you know. Uh, so it might take uh, a second to advance them. So I'm going to advance to uh, the next one now. Okay. So, as you were saying, he was a giant in intellectual property. Until 1980, there was no commercial global biotechnology industry because we lacked two things. And the first thing that we lacked was subject matter jurisdiction for inventions relating to life forms, like genetically engineered bacteria. And the Chakrabarti, the famous Chakrabarti molecule that resulted in the Chakrabarti patent changed all of that. Uh, you were telling me, Sam, about how you met with him when he was already in Chicago at that time. He had already, during the course of the litigation, shifted from GE to where he spent his career at the University of Illinois and Chicago Medical School. And you met with him at the time in 1980 in the wake of Diamond V. Chakrabarti. Yes, thank you for reminding me. You know, since I had some patents in telecom, I was quite interested in monitoring and learning about what was going on with the U.S. Patent Office. 
and his case came all the way to Supreme Court and got a lot of attention in the US media. Like all of us, I was young then and quite interested in this idea of patenting life. And I was monitoring it and I was so proud of the fact that the inventor was from India, that also from Bengal. I had not met Dr. Ananda Chakravarti then. I was reading about it, sort of thinking how it will unfold. And when patent was issued, I thought it was a great victory for the mankind. It was setting up a whole new trend. And then I had an opportunity to meet him in Chicago. He was a professor. He had a fairly good sized team working on it. And to me, it was quite an opportunity to meet someone like him. And quickly I learned that he was a great storyteller. He could take a scientific subject and make it very interesting, exciting, empowering. And I liked the way he expressed himself and his research. So we became friends over a period of time. I kept learning from him all the time. In fact, just before he died, about a month before he died, I had gone to his new place. We had lunch together. Himanshu Vyas was visiting from India. So two of us went there, <coughs> met Krishna. <coughs> he showed us around his new place, which was very close to the hospital. Went to his apartment, talked about his activities. He was a little bit disoriented, <clears throat> perhaps in terms of direction, but he was fine. He was alert. He talked about science. He talked about India. And I had no idea that he'll be taken away from us so quickly. So when I heard that, I was quite shocked. I think we were all shocked. I had spoken to him just a week or two, maybe even less time than that, but it, it certainly was within a short time uh, before he contracted a sudden infection and he was hospitalized and he had a sense of humor to the end. Krishna has mentioned that he, he didn't have COVID, but he was joking, oh, the COVID got me this time. You know, he was always in a good humor. Yeah. I also wanted to point out that we're now sitting on April 6th, having this call of 2021. The date that the patent was actually issued, Diamond V. Chakrabarty was the 1980 term of the Supreme Court. But then, of course, it gets remanded. It goes back for action, for administration, for enforcement so of the of the decree implementation. So it was March 31st, 1981, 
and it's just a little more than 40 years since that 5-4 decision, that was a critical element to launch global biotechnology. And after 1980, like you were already going back, and I have to smile when you said you have a few patents. You had a patent on the first ever digital switch. You had a patent on the first ever digital wallet that became Apple Pay or Google Pay. So yeah, you knew a little bit about patents and you knew a little bit about intellectual property. And we used to talk about some of the difficulties in Japan and all of that. You were always very sophisticated about patents. It's one of the reasons why I thought you're the perfect person to talk to about this. So then if we can fast forward a few years, you knew him all the way from 1980, but I met him in 1999. I was at Pharma in 1999, just transitioning from my work in the intellectual property office at the State Department, where they put a placard on your desk and say, now you're responsible for India adopting patents in 2005. And that's how they do it at the State Department. We used to joke they would drop you with a laptop and a parachute. Mm -hmm. So I found that by going to pharma, there were more resources and uh, I could continue to do the similar things. At that time, my role at state and my role at pharma was law reform, really not that different rule of law, trying to promote global changes in law that would be consistent from market to market. I realized early on that if I just went into the same thing everybody else was doing in India, I could hit my head against the wall just like everybody else did. I used to say when I went there at first, in my first time for pharma in 2000, I needed a ladder and a shovel, a ladder because I was 10 feet underground and a shovel to try to fill in the dirt. And so when I met uh, Anandada at 1999 at a judicial conference, he was talking about how empowering it was for Diamond V. Chakrabarty. And then as I was transitioning in the early days of my work at pharma, I realized his story and his ability to be a storyteller, teller, which you have been mentioning, that's what was missing. The human element was what was missing from the patent reform discussions in India. What would it mean to an innovative scientist like Ananda Chakrabarty? So then we had 9-11. I was grounded. I couldn't fly overseas, just like the last year. We've all been grounded. But I could fly to Chicago. And he always answered his phone. So he didn't quite remember meeting me in DC at this conference, but he answered his phone. He said, let's get together in my office. I flew to Chicago. And I said at that time, Dr. Chakrabarty, you're always going to advise DBT. You go to the Science Congress. But when have you tried to talk in general to a non-science audience about why this matters to you? Even he was involved in judicial education. He was at the Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit Conference, but he had never gone to the public and explained how he is an NRI and how he needs patent protection. So in the background of this slide, you see the audience. And unfortunately, I couldn't find the slide. He's sitting there. I was talking. I was looking for a slide that had him talking at that conference, but he went very directly and beyond the statement, India never encouraged innovation. He actually stood up and he said, I'm here, I'm Indian, and I want my patents in India. He actually said that in November of 2002 on the very stage where Bill Gates had stood the day before. And Sam, you were there with wow. Bill Gates. 
talking about the future of personalized computing. We had Swati Pyramil from, uh, from Pyramil talking about the future of personalized medicine. And then we had Ananda Chakrabarty standing up and saying, I'm not going to show my slides because I'm here as an Indian scientist who wants patent protection in India. And the room was electric. It was, it was so exciting. You were there the day before, you know what that's like. And it was one of those things that changed the tone and the tenor of the debate. And he put a human face on patents. And that was the moment when I thought, we have a chance, we can do this. And then it just got, got better from there. And India, uh, was lucky, India was lucky to have some very good Secretary of Biotechnology. That's from right. Chandran to Ban to others, you know, there were some great people. And, and the Minister of Industry and Commerce, Minister Nath, Kamal Nath, uh -huh. he kind of knew what had to be done. Now, the irony was BJP uh -huh. was up for election again in the end of 2004. And everybody thought because India had such high growth, they would come back and they had a whole strategy for getting uh, the, the patent law done. And then what happened? What happened? The people spoke. They ignored the rural areas. All politics is local. There was a tremendous dichotomy in growth. And so it then became uh, the Congress Party. And where you were very active in the Congress Party from uh, 2000, end of 2004 onward, they did do it by uh, administrative fiat, which they can do as long as they pass the law. So in January of 2005, it was only in place administratively. And it was very, very important for there to be a law. And there was some concern that it wasn't going to be a bipartisan policy. But Ananda Chakrabarty came back in January of 2005 and again spoke about the importance of sealing the deal. It wasn't enough that it was an administrative fiat. It had to be passed through uh, the Lok Sabha, the Raja Sabha. It had to be done. And uh, with his help, we got it done. Yep. And that was just as important as Diamond V. Chakrabarty for biotechnology in India, which has grown by leaps and bounds because of the passage of the Patents Act. That really gave people confidence. And that was what really was was so, so important. So, I think and also key, I should, go ahead. The key is that many people don't recognize his contribution to the intellectual property. It is not about his research. It is not about his breakthrough science. It is also about his activism in intellectual property area. That's correct. He's one of those people who taught me a little bit about bacteria. He even looked at cancer from the viewpoint of bacteria. And he thought way ahead of everybody. And he was always exploring new frontiers. And that's why intellectual property was important to him. Like you and I, he and I also spoke a great deal about global patent system. You know, I feel frustrated that every time you file a patent in US, you have to file PCT, then you have to select all the countries, then you have to translate in various languages, Japanese, Chinese, Italian. 
And then every country has their own patent laws. Sometimes it's an invention in US, but it's not an invention in China or That's Japan. Right. How is That's that? Right. So world yeah. today needs more of a global intellectual property system. And Anand Chakrabarti and I talked a great deal about it, saying in internet age with hyperconnectivity, why can't we have one place to file a patent? If it is patent there, it is patent everywhere. That's right. That's right. Now, the other thing that happened in 1980 that Anandada was very much aware of was the passage of the Baidol Act. Yep. And early on, before other people saw that it was coming to a crisis, he saw increasing hostility. There were always people in India who felt that the academes should stay out of industry, and he was always lecturing and saying the opposite. We talked about that a number of times at Bio. We talked about that in a number of other venues, but probably the most important place where he talked about that was he worked with a public affairs organization to set up a special lecture tour where the two of us, and we had embassy or consular officials with us also at times from the US. In Mumbai, we were there with the US government officially there. In other places, it was just the two of us and we had someone else to make the introductions. But we were talking specifically about the role of technology transfer for the creation and assimilation of new technologies for creation of social and economic benefit. Because if the academes stay in their ivory towers, they're playing with their molecules, their bacteria, what have you, but it's not benefiting the common person. And oh, that's what Baidol did. Science, so they really plant the seeds. Let's not forget right. that if there is no science, there is no technology. If there is no technology, right. there are no new products. That's why he was so keen on the interplay between the academe and the industry. And that's why he talked about it so much. And he felt very strongly, at least for a while, that the Baidol should be an area of his own activism. And then once, so we've co-founded Baidol 25, we had white papers, we made amicus briefs in the Supreme Court, materials were taken up in South Africa, in Latin America. We had all kinds of requests for translation that we couldn't pay for, but we said, of course you can use it because we felt it was for the good of mankind that were generating this information. Mm -hmm. And then after 2013, he became much more focused on Emrita and on the microbiome. He was also a pioneer in microbiome. He was investigating bacterial proteins and peptides before the term microbiome was even invented. Absolutely. So I just wanted to mention, in addition to time in Vichakrabarti, he recognized the critical importance of the Baidol Act and he came to India a number of times, but specifically in 2006, we had a lecture tour and we were focusing specifically on how India could benefit from the greater engagement of academics in industry. And I do think that he spearheaded some of that that's going on now. Yep. Yeah. You know, we, you and I both got involved with him on Amrita and it was his idea basically, your energy. And I thought it was a very unique opportunity for India to use Indian talent to explore some of his ideas. Right, right. Now on biodiversity, that came also to some of your work because you remember you and I, our first engagement was that you had a task force 
that was dealing with trying to promote innovative uses and sustainability for biodiversity. Exactly. And the area that we were talking about and in that time period, say from 2004, 2005 through 2010, just as we were ramping up with Imrita, which we'll talk more about shortly, was how we could make the mega diverse area, areas of the Ghats and the Himalayas, to be similar to the Bangalore, uh, Mangalore, Pune, Mumbai. It's still a work in progress, but that was another area where Anandada was very proactive and forward thinking to realize that if you give entrepreneurs tools for intellectual property, then they will make more out of what they already know in terms of traditional knowledge and genetic resources. That's something that other countries like China have done. Yeah, in 1990, I had an opportunity to work with Darshan Shankar to document all of the India's herbal medicinal plants. We set up a non-profit organization called Foundation for Revitalization of Local Health Tradition. In the last 35 years, this organization has grown. It has become a university called Transdisciplinary University. We have documented about six to 7,000 herbal medicinal plants which are unique to Indian climate. We have large number of herbal gardens. We have hundreds of scientists, academicians, and Dr. Anand Chakrabarti was very excited about this activity. He even visited us and, uh, you know, he thought this was one area which was neglected by many people. So he gave sort of importance to all of these areas where people were trying to look beyond today's challenges. And also you filed patents when on my visit, I remember seeing an invention relating to a copper tubing yes. that could render the rainwater safer yes. and, and ameliorate yes. any bacterial or other contaminants. And that was something patentable. So, so you also were using intellectual property systems to promote commercialization. And people don't realize the importance of the patent in that situation is that if that copper tubing is made improperly, if it's not made under a voluntary license from the innovator, it will not protect the people who are drinking the water and they will sicken and they could die. So the patent makes sure that you're using the best practice and with the voluntary licensing, you're making it accessible. It's simply a way to ensure that everybody is benefiting in the best possible way from the innovation. So it's, it's very important. I was really pleased when I found out that your organization was filing for patents for those things. That was great. So um, we were working on, on that with you, but, but less directly. And then when it came to the idea that captivated Anandada really from 2002, 2003 onwards, he kept talking about India will change its patent law and we will show them that the Indian brain, the Indian technologist can invent novel cancer medicines from bacterial proteins and peptides. Now what we call microbiome discovery, but it wasn't, it wasn't called that when we were first doing it. And, right. and part of the charm and the challenge is if you are so far ahead of the curve that no one else can think about what he's thinking about, 
in a way that creates both an opportunity and a challenge. But uh, we got, when we started looking for where we would go in India, uh, we got your advice and support, and you introduced us at that time to Himanshu Bhai, Himanshu Vyas, who you mentioned before, who's a, 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 such a wonderful friend and colleague. And you introduced us to GVFL, the granddaddy of all venture finance. And we were able, as this, uh, the documents show, the first one is certificate of incorporation. And then we went from private limited to public limited in order to be an investee company of GVFL. And the second uh, exhibit there is the front page of the venture finance agreement, which of course was, was an exciting uh, moment for us. Mm-hmm. And we always will appreciate your role in, in doing that. Thank you. Uh, there's a little bit of a delay. Tell me when you see the, the corporate. See the slide? You see, yep. you see the corporate portrait, the picture? I see a picture of you, Himanshu, and Excellent. Anna. Okay, it's working better than when I tested it. So we, we this is just, you know, you take corporate pictures and all that. Sure. So uh, we, um, we were never properly capitalized. And early on, we realized that um, we were what you call a zebra, right? We were, mm-hmm. uh, everybody mm-hmm. else was pursuing clinical research organizations or CRAMs or biosimilars. And we were pursuing what then later became known as microbiome discovery. Mm-hmm. And starting from an empty piece of paper, uh, we built out our protein lab. We got uh, initial funding. We were recognized as the most innovative Indian discovery company in 2011 at the Buzz of Bio. Sam, no Indian company has ever done that before or since, mm-hmm. only Amrita. And we were pleased because we told Gujarat, when I met then Chief Minister Modi, I said we would do our best to bring visibility to Gujarat as being in the forefront. Uh, Unfortunately, although we were able to do a lot of good collaborations, and we did compound screening with, with NCI, National Cancer Institute, the science was always stellar. All of the people working with us, Nanda's information, everything he did, Samit Chattopadhyay is a Bose fellow, which is like being a MacArthur genius, but it was really not possible to raise three to five million dollars that somebody would put into an Indian company to go to the clinic at that time. We had a few things that happened in the broader ecosystem that were not salutary, and so the last real milestone was in 2018. We did have a couple of of LOAs, letters of agreement from uh, organizations that thought they could raise the money to close it. And the last one actually just expired a year or so ago. And there have been a few other nibbles, but it becomes more and more challenging as time goes on. And of course, we're still seeing that where does the money go in India? It's going to CRAMS, biosimilars, CRAMS is contract research and manufacturing services. It's going to bioinformatics. You're the the father of bioinformatics. Everybody should recognize that bioinformatics, which was the initial heart of biotechnology in India, was built on the spine of telephony, which you developed through the digital switch in your work to establish those ministries and those expertise areas and industries in, in India. But unfortunately, 
microbiome discovery work is still not something that is maybe well at, investigated. Maybe at some point in time as a follow-up of this conversation to remember Dr. Ananda Chakravarti, you and I should talk about Amrita on a sideline. Maybe in his memory we can revive something next. I don't know, but it'd be worth having a conversation on it. You know, uh, GVFL has a new general manager and he actually uh, requested a call with me to tell me how much he thought, I mean, the science succeeded. Unfortunately, the Simers, you know, as they say, if, if you have a successful operation, but the patient dies. Well, the company is still in existence because yeah, all companies that. in India are still in existence. Yeah, and can, what GVFL yeah, would like is for someone, and they would give a bargain price, they want someone to acquire the assets and to establish it outside of India. And they recognize that will. that would be the success. So I, I appreciate your, your consideration and we will talk about that. So this is from Vibrant Gujarat where we had a lovely poster session and shows the board of directors and all of that. Uh, and um, it was, you know, a great adventure for me. I had opportunities to do so many things. Uh, I wanna tell you one more story, which I don't think I've ever told you and I've never told in a conference. So this is a first time, but it's very important. Initially, I was invited to join the board of CDG, the company in Chicago, because Ananda Chakrabarty and his co-founder were concerned about the management. Even then, later on, the problems became evident, but they were concerned early on. So in 2003, 2004, they wanted me to be a board member. And I put it up the chain. But while I was at Pharma, they said, no, you can't do that at Pharma. You can't be on a specific company. And, and so I had to pass it by. Well, that's why we had Amrita. But while that was under consideration, Ananda said, you have to meet Dr. Dasgupta. Tapas Dasgupta is my co-founder. I know that you know him, Sam. So I went into his office and he looked at my card from Pharma. I'll never forget this. He saw that my middle name, my legal middle name is Kling, which was my pre-married name. And he looked at my face and I look like both my parents, but I had the dark hair. Now I have the graying temples. But I had the dark hair of my father at that time. And he looked at me and he said, your father is Dr. Kling? And I looked at him. We were in Chicago. My father was the head of general surgery at Sinai Hospital in charge of the residency program. He brought it back through certification. He was very active. But how did he know my father? Yeah, he knew my father. He had come to Detroit 15 years before. He had gone to the Wayne County Surgical Fellows, FACS in Wayne County. And he said, you ask your father, how many Indian surgical physicians from Chicago did he meet during that time? You ask him. And I told him he needed to join me in cancer research and breast cancer research. He said, no, so you have to do this now. Can you imagine how I felt? Because Ananda didn't know this, I didn't know this. So I went home. I waited until I went home to see my dad. And I said to my dad, I said, Dad, do you remember by any chance in 1974, 75? And this was already, you know, 2004, 2003. I said, do you remember a Dr. Das Gupta? 
my father turned on me and he was angry. And he said, do you think I didn't want to do that? Who was going to pay for the University of Michigan? You weren't in school yet. Your sisters, there were four daughters. Okay. Yeah. Who was going to pay all those tuitions? Who was going to, you know, and I said, dad, dad, no one is accusing, but he remembered clear as a bell, like it had just happened yesterday. And there is a saying in Judaism that you're not obligated to finish the work, but neither are you allowed, is it permissible that you should put it down? And when I heard my father's voice and the emotion in his voice, I realized whatever Dr. Dasgupta and Anandada were asking me to do, it was my obligation because I had to carry it forward from where my father was asked and was not able to carry it forward. Isn't that amazing? Thank you. Can you imagine how I felt? So um, everything that we accomplished through Amrita, I'm very proud of. Some of the projects that are not financially remunerative, and I never, I never got a salary from Amrita. It was something that I was dedicated to because, I mean, my father ended up dying of cancer, even though he was a cancer surgeon. Uh, so many of our relatives are stricken with it. So it was a gift, it was a blessing, and God willing, we'll find a way uh, to uh, continue it. But in the meantime, uh, this, this Ananda's, Ananda's contributions were just manifold, and I really appreciate your helping to shed light on those that were specific to India, specific to intellectual property, tech transfer by Dahl, and how we brought innovative microbiome discovery research that we did get patents for. We brought that uh, to India. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, GVFL and the other scientists involved are keen on figuring out a way to take that forward as well. So it's a great legacy and uh, a great day whenever I can spend some time talking with an old friend about Anandada. Thank you. Let me just summarize from my perspective. I'm delighted that you took time to talk to me about my old friend, Dr. Anandha Chakrabarti. I sincerely believe that people in India, especially young, especially those in science, must know lot more about Anand Chakravarti than they do. They must know that there was a scientist of Indian origin in Chicago at University of Illinois and earlier at GE who really paved the way for millions of people to explore new frontiers in biotechnology. He was the first individual who ever got a patent on life form. His idea was so unique then that the invention had to go to the Supreme Court in the US. Decision could have been either way. The key question was, can you play God? If, design, if you design a life, can you get a patent on it? And young people in India must know that the first person who ever got a patent on life was Dr. Anand Chakrabarti. I don't think many in India know that. It is a matter of great 
pride for Indian science, Indian scientists, non-resident Indians, and he was a global citizen. Though he was born in India, he was, you know, doing science, but he was all over. He was in US, he was in Europe, he was in Africa, he was in Asia, and he crossed mm -hmm. all the boundaries searching for truth in science. He had Over a the mindset. years we worked together, we traveled to Trieste, we traveled to Bangkok, uh, we traveled to the UK together. He was comfortable everywhere in the world, I everywhere. Young people to know that, that it was not about India and Indians. It was about humanity. It was about searching for truth in science. It was looking at new ways of treating disease. It was to benefit humanity and not be parochial and say what is good for India or what is good for this group of people. And I think that is the real message from Ananda Chakravarti's life. To me, he was a global citizen. He had a scientific mindset. He thought logically, rationally, didn't get trapped in traditions. He looked beyond today. He didn't see in the back. He always looked in the front with a visionary outlook. And I think those are the real messages for the young people from Ananda Chakravarti's life. And that's why I think it is important for you and I to talk, because at the end of the day, young people must get this message. They must read about him, learn about him, Google him, understand his life, his contribution, and realize that it takes a lot of work to make a contribution in science. And motivation has to come from within, like Dr. Ganman Chakravarti had. And he was a giant who at times was not noticed well. But he never worried about that. He continued with his work because he was dedicated to science. He was more committed to finding truth and solutions to complex problems. And that's why I thought it is important for us to talk. Thank you. Thank you. I can't add a syllable to what you've said. Thank you so much, Sam. As you've said before, this is just the beginning of what we will do to make sure that we memorialize him properly, to set up a portal, to get all of the information for, in one place. Uh, and I have to say, I've enjoyed working with you on this project so much and talking with you that I look forward to working with you on that and whatever other patent things or we can do with them, read things, whatever. It's always just a joy to engage with you. Thank and I really appreciate you. your taking the time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay.